if what you think I'm doing is crazy and you're believing these rumors or you're misunderstanding what I'm up to, careful, right? Because my true family, the people that are in with me, they not only recognize what I'm doing, but they also do. They are conduits of this Holy Spirit doing the works of God and doing the will of God, my Father. That's intense. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Welcome to the Take and Read podcast. Pastor Chad here and my guest today, KP. That's what we affectionately call him around uh, our church family. Uh, Kurt Prater is back with us, and I'm super excited Whoop. to have you back. Yeah, glad to be back. Uh, if, you're, if you're joining us for the first time or you've been on this journey with us, we're so glad to have you on the Take and Read podcast. Uh, we simply come together, and it's in the title. We take and we read the Word of God. We are believers. We are followers of Christ. We believe him to be the one true God. We believe in his physical bodily resurrection, affirming the fact that he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. We believe all that. So if you're joining us for the first time and, and you don't believe that, but you're just curious what Christians believe, how they read this thing that we call the Bible, this is a good place for you. If you're young in your journey and you say, I believe that stuff, but sometimes I have doubts, sometimes I have questions, this is a good place for you. This is also a good place for you if, you're, if you've been a believer for a long time and you still find your Bible intimidating and you just don't know how to, to get to it or how to, you get in there and it just, it just doesn't make sense. It seems really confusing. Mm-hmm. This is a good place for you. Uh, the goal is that you would come you would find that reading the Bible is life-giving to whatever extent you understand it. And there, there are layers of meaning for sure, but it is something that, that God has communicated to us through his word, this, this text. And so this book is like no other book. Uh, yes, human authors have written it, but they were inspired by the Lord himself through his Holy Spirit. And so he has clearly revealed himself to us in his word. And this word that we're reading is the earliest account in the Gospel of Mark uh, that we have of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So welcome. Also, want to before we jump in, I want to give a shout out to 22 Beans. 22 Beans mm-hmm. uh, Coffee, uh, my favorite coffee. Uh, I start out with the Shepherd's Roast. Uh, that's usually what's in my cup early morning or the Tom Bates Blend. You know, the Catch-22 is my jam. Yeah. It's a decaf. And here's the deal about it. It is a catch twenty two because it is a decaf, but it tastes like oh, it's so good. caffeinated coffee. Yes. You you good, drink it flavor. and you think, Hey, have I been lied uh, to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like take a sip, mm, you're in. It's it's a rich, mm-hmm. a rich cup of decaf. So please uh, support them, twenty two beans dot com. You can go order coffee. They help underwrite and support the production costs for the Take and Read podcast. Uh, and so Please support them. You can also go get hats there. You can go get that hat that Kurt's wearing. Uh, this um, black version of uh, the newer logo of this hat is there. And then there's a red, white, and blue 
grave. Yeah, you don't mess around with swag. You do an incredible job crafting the, the art. I love like this. I love oh, a good hat. Yes, and so some may joke and say, "Did you start a podcast just so you could have new hats?" That may be true. You bet. That may be true. You bet. Uh, so, uh, Kurt, what? Before we jump into the text, what's the Lord been doing uh, since we last hung out on this mm. podcast? What What's going on in your world? I think the story that I've been telling here recently is as I headed, as I ventured into the new year, I found myself in a fog and by God's grace, meeting with a brother, having him share, I shared my prayer request, man, I'm, I'm in a fog. What's going on? It's like, yeah, you shared that last year too. Mm. And the realization of going through a strong like Advent Christmas celebration, taking some time off. Our family was sick and then coming into the new year um, just didn't have my wits about me. But then, man, as soon as I talked to brothers and sisters in Christ, had some time of prayer, the fog was lifted. And since that time, it has been a sweet jam with the Lord. So time, time with him personally, time with the fam, time in ministry has been really, really sweet. So do you think there's something to the fact that you recognized it, that all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that. That happens for me. And so then you're able to intentionally go to the Lord and address that kind of Oh, you season. bet. Yes. I mean, because one of the first things that I evaluate when I have something like this is, okay, God, is there sin in my life? Do I need to talk to you about something that maybe has not been brought to my attention? Lord, search me. Right. Um, so once there was the realization that, oh, this might be an annual thing, A, I populated my calendar to let Kurt Prater know January 23, the <laughs> fog may be coming. So Don't next fret. year, Kurt from the future <laughs> has told Watch you. Watch out. Watch out. Hey, that, but that's big. So that if it does come, I'm, I'm equipped and ready and just can continue to talk to the Lord and say, all right, still search me out. Yeah. Is there anything you need to address? But otherwise, man, let's get after the, ne- the new year. Yeah, and I I think when you shared that with our team and we were able to kind of pray into that a little bit, it made me more aware of, man, for you and your family, December, that's got to be an all-out blitz. You bet. There's so many moving parts for you as you lead our church family. Within the kind of worship and musical realm, there's so many components to that. Are there other seasons that are kind of intense like that or is that I mean that's that takes the cake like would Easter and and our family church family celebration around that time be similar but not quite as intense uh, yes okay. that's exactly the phrase that I was going to say similar but different because I mean with the advent we're talking six to eight weeks whereas the Easter a little bit shorter duration yeah a little bit different um but man sweet I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm so thankful for what the Lord has given me the privilege to do as worship pastor, Mm -hmm. what it means for my family, what it means for our church family. Um, But it does mean that come January 1, Kurt Prater might be in a little bit of a fall. Yeah. Yeah. Good to go. (laughs) But it's been cool, though, in God's word. Um, I've One of the things that stood out to me, I'm, I'm still spending time in Acts and reading about Paul's adventure. And he's going into synagogues all over that region mm-hmm. and interacting with Jew and Greek, mm-hmm. sharing the truth from God's word. He knows God's word. He's seen conversions happen. Um, 
he's meeting opposition and he is still pressing on. So that's where I'm enjoying um, a little bit of Acts. Cool, cool. Well, so glad to have you back on the podcast, and uh, we're going to just dive in. Let's do it. Where, where are we in. today? We're going to, we're still in Mark chapter three. Okay. So if you turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in the English Standard Version today. We'll be, uh, we've been kind of hanging out in Mark three. And last episode, we, we looked at when Jesus calls the 12 apostles, the 12 messengers. Mm. And so we were in 13 and we went all the way through 19. So we left off there. So we'll pick up in verse 20, but we're going to today, we're going to finish out chapter three. Now, if you look in your Bibles there, you know, they, they kind of section off these pericopes and they give headings. And, and so different translations will kind of organize it a little bit differently. But I think, I think it's important that we take all, 20 all the way through 35. So this will be, in terms of this podcast, probably the largest chunk of scripture that we've encountered. But I want us to get a feel for what it's like to take on a bigger text, a bigger section of scripture, because this this whole section, these 15 verses belong together. And I think that's important okay. to note. And I, and I, I'm excited to dive in. I think in. there's some things that we'll see there that we go, okay, you, you couldn't separate that. You have to see all of this stuff to understand really what, what God's up to Get here. The context. So, yeah, so Sweet. we'll be 20 through 35. Here we are in the ESV, Mark chapter 3, picking up in verse 20. Then he, Jesus, went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. This is his family saying, he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And he called to them and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, well, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Well, then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, He has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they said, sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother, your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here is my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Oh, boy. There's a lot oh, here. My, uh, how many parts are we going to do this in? <laughs> right. We, this may be a couple of episodes. Amazing. It could be. It could be. Amazing. Um, and so I think as we kind of stand back, 
again, our task is to first ask the question, what is, mm. what is a saying? There are going to be words that we go, what, what does that mean? Yeah. Who is that? What's the scenario? Uh, what's going on here? And so as best we can, let's just like, let's step back and go, okay, big picture, summarize what just went down. Okay. So yeah. we look at it and what's kind of the first thing we, we know he's just come from calling his apostles and kind of commissioning them and saying, you are my 12. You're, you're my, you're my crew mm. out of all these people that have been following me. He calls out these 12 and says, you're my guys. And they get the, the title. He calls them apostles, which is messengers. You're my messengers. You're going to take the message. And then we transition to this kind of new scene. They went home and a crowd's following him. And as that crowd's following him, his family enters. Mm-hmm. So what, what do we got then? Okay, well, let me just link. I'm so thankful that you brought in the context of what we just read, what Mark did with the calling of the apostles. Because then, then when you just concluded that reading with verse 35, you said, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, my sister, and my mother. So if I'm thinking big picture, It's like, who's in? Well, he's identified those that do the will of God, the father. And then, but we have the family kind of coming in and they, it's kind of comedic because they see he's not eating. He is out of his mind. And I can identify with that. I mean, the word hangry kind of comes in mind. (laughs) If I don't get the food that I get, I have the tendency to, um, be a little bit different for Prater. So that's you go, just, you turn into Betty White. Remember that Snickers commercial? I do. Like they're playing football oh gosh, and yeah. Betty White's there. And then all of a sudden here, man, you need a Snickers. Yes, and then he turns totally back. Transforms. And, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, I can identify. But we see, we see them like the word identity is, is coming up. Like who is this Jesus? Even his family, like he's out of his mind. Yeah. And we see that kind of play out. And then, um, they're trying to figure out what's really going on with this dude. Yeah. And we toss out a big name of Beelzebub. Beelzebub yeah. Yeah. Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Thank you there. Yeah. A, a um, kind of Hebrew Aramaic, uh, description of oftentimes used in the old Testament for, for, uh, Satan or the deceiver. Mm. Right. So, um, yeah. So there's this kind of indication so yeah, let's this okay. Who's at play here? We've got he's just he's kind of identified his twelve, right? His his main inner circle. These are the people that are truly in, and they're a part of the mission. Because mm. remember, he from the beginning in Mark chapter one, it says that Jesus is now preaching the gospel, proclaiming the, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. So there's the gospel. Jesus yeah. is preaching it. That's what he's here to do is proclaim the kingdom and then bring about the kingdom, usher in God's rule and reign. And he's confronting the other authorities that are at play. He's confronting Satan and the demonic. He goes about casting out demons. He's healing infirmities and sickness. So all the the things that, that sin has caused and the brokenness of the world, he's causing to be restored and whole. And then he's confronting the religious leaders of the day, the Jewish religious leaders who were exercising authority in a very perverted and fallen way had taken the commands of God, the Sabbath, all these things that were meant in, in, to 
to help people draw near to the Lord and experience flourishing, well, they had twisted mm. and were now oppressive. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is confronting this. He's, he's proclaiming the kingdom and he's demonstrating the kingdom. So he brings in this crew and he says, you're, you guys are in. Yeah. You're the inner, you're, you're in, yes. you're on the inside of this thing. And now you're going to help take this message. You're going to participate in this. And then he finishes with, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, sister, and mother. Yeah. You're part of my family. You're in. Yeah. You're the in ones. Yeah. And then he's, he indicates then at the, the front end of this, this whole pericope that we read, mm-hmm. he's come and there's this crowd. Crowd, yeah. Big Huge. crowd gathered. So they couldn't even eat. Mm-hmm. And he, his family heard it. They went out to seize him. And it's interesting because that same, um, if we were to look in the Greek, uh, that word seize is also the word that's used when the authorities seize Jesus to arrest him. Okay. When they seize John the Baptist to arrest him. Mm. Like to forcibly take. Like they were going in and they're like, dude, we got... They this. weren't messing around. Yeah, they were concerned for him. Yeah. They're like, okay. He's starting to get a little crazy. Yeah. And they're going to go in and they're going to stop him. Right? Indicating that they're on the outs. Because they don't understand what he's doing. Right on. And they're, so there's this, and I think when we read this, we go, wait a minute. Jesus' own family is on the outside? Mm. They're not on the inside? Mm. But, hey, folks, we've got to read the text. Right. We've got to read. This is what it says. Right. And we're very early on in Mark. Yes. And they are trying to figure out what is going on. Yeah. His family's trying to figure it out. The crowd's trying to figure it out. The apostles have a little bit better picture. Yep. They're still trying to understand who is this Jesus. You've got this crowd come in, then his family's present, yep. and they're trying to apprehend him and get him because they, they're like, he is out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Then we got scribes, scribes who come down. He's and, possessed. And they're like, yes, he's possessed. And then they start to, you know, in their minds, accuse him of having unclean spirits, right? He's possessed. <laughs> he confronts them. And now we have the introduction of a parable. He yes. begins to speak in parables. Talk to me about a parable. So a parable is more than a, a handy little story that we tell. Like it's not, it's not just kind of the equivalent of when a, a, a preacher uses a, a story to illustrate a point. That's not what ha- a parable in the way that Jesus uses them is. It's a story that illustrates, but parables, as we'll see, and in, in we get into chapter four, he really unpacks what parables are. But so this is just yeah. almost like a, a, a precursor. This is kind of a, a mm-hmm. foreshadowing of more parables to come. But parables always conceal and reveal simultaneously. You'll hear Jesus say, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Mm-hmm. So the idea that, well, we all have ears, so, and we can all hear sound, so what he's talking there is metaphorical that if you're at a place where your heart is receptive to the kingdom, then you'll hear or you'll be intrigued and you'll want to learn more for those whose heart is not receptive. It will confound. It'll be confusing. It'll be concealed. And you'll be like, what? Man, this guy's crazy. Yeah. So the interesting thing is he does something here in that he begins to speak in these parables that are kind of these, there's, there's layers of meaning here. Uh-huh. And he may even look crazier to those who already think he's crazy. Great call. Great call. But those that are receptive are going to go, oh, I see. Okay. So that's one yeah. of the things we want to ask the question because 
Another neat thing about this is, as we look at what this says, is there's a structure. Mm-hmm. So we've seen that there's a crowd at the beginning, then his family, then the scribes. Notice that they, they accuse him. He's possessed mm-hmm. by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. By the prince of demons, he casts out demons. So they're saying he's possessed. And, and what he's able to do to exercise this authority over demons is that he, he has the spirit of Satan in him, a demonic uh, that he himself is possessed, and that's the only reason why he can do all this stuff. Then he tells this parable, and so we'll get into what, what do these parables mean. Then he identifies, and the key there is, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Oh, yeah. Then that's deep. we see uh, he then confronts this idea of, accusing him of being possessed by a spirit and casting out. So saying that what he does is by a spirit other than the spirit of God is blasphemy. And then it's, uh, they, again, they accuse him of having an unclean spirit. So now we've seen that twice. Then we see his mothers and his brothers standing outside. So then there's his family again. And then it says, and a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother and brothers. So now we've got a crowd and then the last thing we hear about is, for whoever does the will of God is my brother, sister, and mother. So there we have the inner circle. Dude, so intentional. So intentional. So there's with this the structure, the right? Yes, right. We go from the apostles, the naming and calling out of, here's the inner circle. These are the people that are in. Mm. Then we go to crowd. Then we go to family. Then we go to accusation of, of demonic uh, possession. Then we have parables and Jesus speaking, speaking against those things. Then we have uh, accusation of, of the demonic. Then we have family. Then we have crowd. And then we have the inner circle. Mm. This structure, the way that it's later, it's almost like a sandwich, right? You've got the bread and yeah, you've right. got the ingredients and, and, it, and then right inside is the, right in the middle is the meat. In in a theological context, and I've tried to limit the amount we get into those things, but that is a chiastic structure. That is a tool that is used, a literary tool that is used, especially in the ancient world and in an oral culture, where you will, you will literally build a format into what you're teaching and saying so that it's easy for people to track and also for them to almost imagine a structure so that you're driving to a particular point in the middle. Mm. And so here we have this really incredible chiastic structure. Okay, let me just push pause on this because you just used a, a big, beautiful word, and you broke this down that in a, way, in a way that I didn't see. So talk to me, talk to us, about when we come to a passage like this, um, how might we be able to see something like that in the future? A, we just heard it. Yeah. So we need to be aware that that is going to be intentional use throughout right. the Scripture. Yeah, so when I was reading this passage, uh, I actually, um, I've been in Mark and other uh, Gospels, you know, for a while. I've been studying the parables, Mm. uh, kind of in my own time. And one of the things that when I was reading this, and I was like, oh, I I don't, I'd never realized before in the past that this parable was here. Mm. This is one of those little teeny parables that it's not one of the famous parables, but okay, there's a parable here, huh? And then I started noticing the way that it was broken up, and, and I was like, wait a minute, his family's mentioned up here in, in verse 21, and then I was like, 
and his family's mentioned again, but in the way my Bible breaks it up, it's like there was this whole middle section about the Holy Spirit and blasphemy. I was like, but I, I feel like well that that was put in later. So in the original text, that wouldn't have been broken up. And then I was like, okay. And it talks about in 20 and 21, this crowd and the family and down in 31 and 32 and 33, the crowd and the family. And then it finishes out with this, well, whoever does the will of my father, he's my brother, sister, mother. So it's talking about his, his true family are the ones that do the will of God. And he just got done commissioning these apostles to go do the will of God. That's and so good. Yeah. I was like, there's something yes. happening here. And then I started to focus in on this whole blasphemy accusation. I'm like, what does that make sense? And so I'm like zeroing in and I'm like, right at the middle of this is this parable. Mm. And so what is this par- Like he's talking about a house divided. And then I'm hearing echoes of like Abraham Lincoln. Cause he famously said a house divided against itself cannot stand mm. when he's, um, you know, in one of his speeches about the civil war. And I was like, okay, well he kind of pulled that out of context. Sorry, Abe. <laughs> And I was like, okay, so what's going on here? We've got this right in the middle, all this going on. It's what does that parable mean? And how does it connect to everything else that's all around it? Because that's clearly an intentional structure. Yeah. And so the main point has to be what Jesus is saying in this parable. That's mm-hmm. the, and that's going to help me understand what's going on with his family, the apostles, and the, even these scribes. And so... Yeah, I love it. Okay, so, so I saw some, some things that, yes. that I'm like a family here and family there. Okay, yes. well, is there any other things that are repeated? And so then I started to kind of do a little detective work. Okay, this is said again. This is said again, and to understand too that that kind of structure happens in a kind of a small section like this. Mm-hmm. But then if you start to kind of pull back and you start to kind of like imagine you're on Google Maps and you're looking at your yeah. house address. And you start to kind of spread zoom. out with your fingers, yeah. right? Or, or I guess you're, you're, I can't remember. Anyway, you start to zoom out yep. on that picture and you're like, there's my house. Now here's my neighborhood. Here's my neck of the woods. Here's my city, state. And you start to, so if, if we do that and all of a sudden we zoom all the way out, we see this same kind of structure in the whole Bible. Mm. You think yes. about the kind of bookends that uh-huh. the bread, right. Of the sandwich that on the front end, there's, we've got a garden in the, f- in the front, the garden of Eden in Genesis at the end of revelation, you've got a garden city. Mm-hmm. So there's this city that has a tree mm-hmm. that's straddling this kind of living water the river. Yes. Right? And that tree is bearing fruit, just like trees at the beginning were bearing mm-hmm. fruit. You've got marriage, right? At the front end, you've got Adam and Eve get married. The very end, you've got the marriage supper of the Lamb, where Christ and his bride, the church, will, will celebrate mm-hmm. kind of this final um, you know, union. So you've got these cool things that, like that, that's a literary method and a teaching method that's given to us by God to illustrate things. Amen. Oh, it gets me fired up because God is... Oh, he's so intentional. Right. And then the way that he reveals that to us after having spent time in his word. Mm. Oh man. And and to know also that you've been spending time with parables or you've been 
checking yeah. those out, yep. and then here comes Mark three. Yeah, and you see it in that. I'm like, light. oh, there's a parable. Love I didn't. That. I Thanks didn't even for, remember this parable is here. Thank you for sharing that because that's that's awesome. So I think we need to wrestle with. All right, there's some things here, uh, some topics that would come up. People will go, okay, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay, the unforgivable That's sin. A doozy. And one of the things, I, when I interact with people, they're like, I'm always nervous that I've committed it. Have I committed it? Do you think I've committed it? <laughs> that <It's> is like, <laughs> yes. So I, I do want to, I think we got to unpack, well, yeah. what is that? What, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And maybe put some people at ease that they probably yeah. haven't committed it if they're worried about committing well, it. let me just say, whenever I read that, whenever I hear that, I mean, it even just kind of tugs at me like, oh, gosh. Yeah, so are you so about how to jump you, into that? Well, yeah, well, that's one thing I think we need to talk about. Mm. And then I think a, a primary component is, okay, if we understand what this parable means, then its meaning's going to kind of like a ripple give clarity to these these sandwich layers that we see in this text. Mm. So I think that's something, and that may even give a little bit of clarity to what's going on with. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to kind of attack it from the middle. Good. Let's look at the middle okay. and see if that then helps us understand let's do it uh what's going on in the rest so all right so you have he says he called them to him and said to them in parables how can satan cast out satan incredible question right so just even there yeah you you consider a kingdom okay let's say uh kingdoms involved let's go uh king arthur right king arthur's got uh, camelot He's got his kingdom, he's got his loyal subjects, he's got his knights at the round table. And, and so picture, how would King Arthur cast out himself? Right. Right. Usurp his own authority. Right. It's absolutely absurd that he would do that. And just logically, if he usurps his own authority and replaces it with his own authority, like, okay, that, that's ridiculous. So right. he would have to cause his downfall from within and take out his own authority, subjects, and power. So he's going. That's Jesus's opening statement. Yeah, he's like rhetorical question. How does Satan cast out Satan? Talk to me about that. Okay, <laughs> I drop. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. So he's explaining. Mm-hmm. Well, let me help you. Let me help you process through this this idea of Satan casting out Satan. Uh, and then he says, and if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Now he's not talking about a physical structure, sure. but he's talking about a family, right? right. A, a family unit. Uh, that would be loyal to itself. And so if it starts infighting, well, it, it can't stand. It doesn't have a shelf life. And, and, and the people will be able to identify with this. Yes. That's what I love about the parable yeah. in this context is they're going to be able to just track right along with Jesus. Yeah, because they live in a, in, a, in a time when kings and kingdoms right. are very prevalent. They're, they live in a time where family loyalty is very prevalent, mm. which even like you think about that, a house divided, a family divided, and his family on the front end and back end of this whole watch out chiastic structure. Yeah, the house divided against itself, uh, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what he's trying to demonstrate here. So he's dealing with this kind of accusation and just how absurd or illogical their accusation is. Right, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying. He's possessed by Beelzebul or Satan. And so, okay, what has he been doing? Well, he's been casting out demons. Right. Okay, so he's pointing out to them just how absurd their accusation Mm -hmm. is. 
And then he gets into this like, okay, but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Gosh, I love that. You're like, okay, house divided against itself. Yeah. Satan casting out Satan. So that's not how you would take someone down is this internal imploding. Mm -hmm. No, but if you, let me explain to you what I am doing. Yeah. That's basically what he's saying. Okay, you think I'm I'm Satan casting out Satan. Let me just tell you how absurd that is. Yep. So let me tell you what what how you do take out that's exactly right a kingdom. How you do mm-hmm. take out that's a household. That's the strategy. That's what's really going on. Yeah. And he talks He's about. Like, <laughs> I mean, when you when you hear that, what do you picture? The strong man. Yeah. Or this little section. Yeah. I mean, I just envision this huge, burly, muscle bound dude that has yeah. is like over there. Tied up, entwined, yeah, and and completely helpless, and then in walks the hero. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm sorry, he's plundering his house, so I don't know that that. But the but visual I think is, that's I think that's the that's the parable, mm. right? That's the meat of the parable. As he's saying, basically, this is what I'm doing. This is what I yeah. This is who I'm I am. not this is my casting, authority. This isn't a house divided. Yeah. Here's what I'm, I've gone in and I have bound the strong man. Mm. I'm the guy that bound the strong man. That's what, when I cast out demons, my authority, I've demonstrated that I've overtaken the strong man. That's what I'm doing right now. Oh boy. (laughs) And no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But he's saying all right we we have you know there's a lot of ways in which humanity sins and is broken and that sin bubbles up and those things those things will be forgiven you know there there's this idea that those things yep those will be covered but whoever blasphemes against the holy spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin mm. so what might that be Oh, given this Atlanta, context, what yeah. are they saying and what is he confronted them about? So I'm going to try to summarize what's going on in my mind. Anyone who denies the power of Christ, the power of God, I mean, all the, the figure head is the Holy Spirit called out denies the work, the power, the authority, the person of the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. But I, I mean, that's just my statement and I still need to wrap yeah, my let's, mind let's, around we'll, this. Let's right? wrestle with so that. Yeah. So jump on it. he's, so what these guys have, have done, these scribes is they have, they have said what the Holy Spirit is doing through Christ is actually Satan. That's what they've said. They've accused him of having an unclean spirit, of being possessed by Beelzebul, mm-hmm. and that because he has Satan, he can cast out these demons. So they have, if it's the case that actually he is the Son of God and Jesus is the Messiah, then that couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. And what he, the power that he possesses is the power of the kingdom of God, the authority of the king, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit is doing these things. So what they've effectively done is, is their hearts are so hardened 
their hearts are not receptive to the kingdom. And so they have said what, what God is doing, they're going to give credit to and, and say that that's actually something Satan's doing. Mm. So that person that says and doesn't just kind of mess up, but if, uh, intentionally accuses the work of God as the work of Satan, mm. what hope is there for you? How far off are you? Mm. Now, I will say, we come to understand the story of Paul, who was working against Christ and basically saying anybody following Jesus is, is off their mark, right? And so, but there was hope for him. Right on. That Jesus confronted him. And so, I think what we have to understand, it's not like you have crossed a line and then all of a sudden, in the, there's this like footnote in the rule book in heaven that says, oh, you'd be in except for that one little infraction over right here. On. What this does is it speaks to the condition of the heart, that if you're at a place where in your heart you are so blind to who Christ is that when you see the work of God in your life or in the life of other people and you think it's Satan working, mm. how far gone are you? Like that's the reality. And so I don't think we, are, we need to be afraid as believers to go, man, I hope I didn't mess. I, I don't hope I didn't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I wonder if I did. Just even in that questioning indicates that you probably haven't. That reveals the heart and the nature yes. that you're, you are seeking God yes. in that moment. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. And so if you think about that, that's what's at play here and that that's the meat of this thing is he is saying mm. he is, he has bound the strong men, that that's actually what he's doing. He's not, you know, possessed by Satan, casting out demons or working for the enemy. But in fact, he has bound Satan that he has bound the strong men, and now he is, he is plundering the house, right? He's taking, he's cleaning house and taking over everything, that that's what he's really up to, then that's going to confront the scribes because mm-hmm. that's an, an immediate accusation on them. <laughs> he's essentially said, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then it starts to, to echo out. Yeah. Careful, family. If what you think I'm doing is crazy and you're believing these rumors or you're misunderstanding what I'm up to, careful, right? Because my true family, the people that are in with me, they not only recognize what I'm doing, but they also do. They are conduits of this Holy Spirit doing the works of God and doing the will of God, my Father. That's intense. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, my mind is swirling right now. There's. There's so much going on here, and I love what the Lord has drawn and and brought to your attention. I love what we're sharing. Yeah, some good stuff here. So as we kind of ponder this, and as your mind swirls, just uh, articulate a few things that kind of are swirling about. They don't have to be complete thoughts, but what do you got? What's What's swirling about here mm-hmm. for you? Let's just take it back to what you said about the heart and running to Christ. Okay. We've talked in previous discussions, Tom, here about the authority of the Lord. And Jesus is calling us all, especially those present 
in his in this time to believe, to trust, and to come to him. Summarized in, in verse 35, for whoever does the will of God, that's who's a part of the fam. Mm-hmm. That's who's in. Yeah. And I, I'll probably stop there. Okay. Yeah. And I think I think some some things I'm learning about the parables that I'll probably unpack in future episodes, but that there's a is an important thing to when we a, approach the scriptures is that we have a tendency to immediately jump to um, what does this passage mean for me, and we've got to be careful to slow down mm-hmm. and first ask what does this passage mean? And that, that mean for me thing is that comes later, but what did the original author, what is Mark up to? Mm-hmm. And is Jesus, he's simply recounting the teaching of Jesus now. So right. what does Jesus mean in this context? Like who's there? Who's listening? Why is he saying certain words? Like what is his whole game plan? And we know from Mark chapter one fourteen, proclaiming the kingdom of God drawing people to repent and believe. And so everything he's about, especially the parables, have something to do with his proclamation of the kingdom. Mm. And so we've got to ask that question, what does this mean in light of what Jesus is up to Mm. throughout all of Mark? Like, what is his whole reason for coming? And then if we understand what it means, what did the author intend? What did Jesus himself, what was he saying? What did that mean there and then? in light of the original audience and who's gathered around him, what his agenda is, once we understand that meaning, I think then we can understand the significance for me and for us. Yeah, amen. Right, because that's then how I experience that meaning today. Mm. And that was pointed out to me by uh, another pastor that the, there's a, to understand the difference between meaning and significance. And so understanding what the text means is going to give rise to significance. But I think a lot of times we just run to significance and we read a text and we go, okay, what does this mean for me right now? You bet. And I think if we don't do that, we don't slow it down a little bit and really kind of search out. So what would you say? I'd say the meaning of this text here is that as he, that Jesus has bound the strong man and that he's, so he's confronting these scribes, he's confronting these accusations that he is somehow possessed by Satan, but that in fact he has bound Satan mm-hmm. and that in bringing the kingdom, he's the new king and he's overthrown the old king. And so for us to realize that he is who he says he is, he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, and those that are a part of his kingdom that are in his family are the ones that not only recognize who he is, but then also participate mm. in the kingdom and proclaiming the kingdom. And that, to a watching world, is going to sound crazy. It's going to look crazy. And that may even... So, it, so the yeah. significance then comes from, okay, where, first of all, what's my posture towards Jesus mm-hmm. as the king of a kingdom? And am, am I uh, one of those people that's on the outside going, man, it's a little bit edgy? Or am I... Am I in? 
am I one of those people that's like, yeah, it's going to sound crazy and I should expect that. Oh, amen. My lifestyle is going to look crazy. Yeah. It's going to look prudish or it's going to look kind of weird that I would, uh, given all that's happening sociopolitically, that I would be content with trusting the Lord and praying about it. Um, You know, when financial crisis hits, like that, that I would say my hope is not in this. And if the Lord gives, he takes away and, and that's okay. Like, yeah, it means that when I engage in the world, when I experience suffering or trials, like I want to be in and I want to trust my King mm-hmm. and I'm going to live according to my King. I want to be verse 35. The, I want to be one who does the will of God. No matter what, no matter what I want to be, I want to be a brother. Mm. I want to be in the fam. I can't tell you the number of times, even just as having kiddos talking through the truth of God's word, the stories that are here where I'm like, wow, that is, that sounds ludicrous. When I say it out loud, mm. when my kids come and ask a beautiful question, God, dad, why mom, why, why does the Bible say this? Why do we believe this? What's going on? And there is something just profound in the word faith. Mm-hmm. that there, though we cannot explain it all, though we do to an outside world looking in, look absolutely absurd, crazy yeah. for following Christ. Uh, the Lord has revealed himself. He has chosen us. He has called us to be a part of his family, to be a part of his kingdom. And he is doing a work. And the love about this moments like this that we get to share, we are reminded of the story that he's telling that we get to be a part of. And, it just brings things to life for us, mm-hmm. equips us with his word. And the same, probably the same questions that the, that the apostles were wrestling with and in truly, truly learning who Christ was are the same things that we wrestle through. But we've got guys like Mark who have documented Jesus' story, mm-hmm. the way that he taught, the way that he responded to remind us of where his authority is and who he is as the son of God. Amen. And we have the joy of proclaiming it just as you said. Amen. Amen. Man, rich, rich stuff. Thanks for being with me today. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. It was a, it was a true joy. Thanks for guiding us through this. There was so much there and the way that you unpacked it. I, once again, I'm walking away encouraged. And I was thinking about, you know, I've been able to interact with you as you've come off your times of other guests on the take and read podcast. And you just have a lot of joy. I do. Like I see you worship in the <laughs> Lord and you celebrate every time that you get to spend in God's word and with, with the follower of Christ. Amen. And I now am a, one of those recipients so once fun. again today, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me. Thanks for tuning in uh, to the take and read podcast. Again, if you have questions, I am still trying to answer all the questions and I'll get there. I will get there. And there's some of you are like, yeah, but I sent a question like two months ago. I'll get there. I promise. I'll answer your questions. Uh, but you can email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, love to hear from you. Uh, go grab a hat. Uh, rep rep the, the stuff. Uh, that way, uh, you know, people will be like, what's that? And then they can come and participate in taking and reading the scriptures. Also, uh, hit that like button, subscribe. Uh, I, you know, at the, at the recording of this episode, we're just over 600 subscribers on YouTube. Watch out. And uh, 
I would love to get to a thousand. Yeah, buddy. That'd be, that'd be cool. amazing. So we'll see one of these days if the Lord wills. Uh, but again, join us uh, next time and hope that you're being blessed by this. But most of all, I hope that you're encouraged to go and take and read the scriptures for yourself. So go and be blessed. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.